Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, February 7, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and let's keep this simple and get right into it. Leon Rose is about to be running the New York Knicks. William Wesley, Worldwide West, will likely join him in the front office. Those two men have deep and strong, long-standing ties to John Calipari. So, Norlander, should Kentucky fans be worried? that John Calipari is going to be the next head coach of the New York Knickerbockers. Nope, this will not happen. Uh, John Calipari, I will be as direct and short as, as possible. John Calipari signed a lifetime contract in 2019. Obviously, if he desperately wants to get out of that, sure, that can happen. The deal, worth, uh, what, 10, million, uh, 10 years? <laughs> a lot more than $10 million, I can assure you that. Uh, what, about $86 million overall, I think, was the report when it came out in June of last year. Um, I understand that these uh, men are, are friendly with John Calipari and know him well. He is not leaving Kentucky to coach the Knicks. That will not be happening. We go through this almost every year. These dif- details are, yes, indeed, a little bit different. The idea of World Wide West working for the Knicks is bizarre. Um and I guess impacts his ability to show up at recruiting events, which he has done uh, with plenty of frequency over the years, including recently. But no, this will not be what happens. John Calipari will be coaching Kentucky in 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, and I'm going to say till at least 2025, he's not going to the Knicks. Don't tell me that you think otherwise. No, I agree. I don't think he's going to the New York Knicks, but I I could understand why he would at least consider it. I, I could understand why you would at least think about it if they genuinely wanted to hire you. Um, you know, and and by the way, it, people are connecting the dots that Leon Rose and John are tight, that Wes and John are tight. That doesn't necessarily mean that they would want him to coach their NBA franchise. Like I, I've got plenty of friends I'm tight with. I don't necessarily want them to. Um, work at a radio station with me or at CBS Sports with me. So uh, one doesn't necessarily lead you to the next, but they are super tight. Like I've, I don't want to pretend like I know Leon Rose well. I don't, but I have known Leon Rose for maybe 20 years now because um, when I was the Memphis beat writer, um, you know, very young, uh, you know, the, I'd be in the Finch Center, which is the old Memphis practice facility. And sometimes the only three people in the building that weren't officially connected to the program would be just sitting there in chairs up against the wall, me, Leon Rose, and William Wesley. Like, Leon was tight. With, like obviously, You're going to the Knicks? Parrish, are you going to the Knicks right now? Is that where you're going? People started speculating about me joining the Knicks front office. Are you going to join the front office of the Knicks? Is that what this podcast is? That's why we're starting like this? People have, for the past 24 hours, been like, listen, John Calipari's known Leon Rose and Wes for 20 years. He's probably going to go coach the Knicks. I, too, have known Leon Rose and Wes for 20 years. I used to sit in the Finch Center with them. Just me, Wes, and Leon. Man, I would love to work for the Knicks. It would cut down on my travel. I could move there. Yes. I would move there. I wouldn't have to wake up and fly every Monday and wake up and fly every Thursday. 
Okay, let's forget about John for a minute. Yeah, let's just I, put him to the side here. Let's 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 deal with you, your future, and the the possibility. First of all, I better get this scoop. Listen, I, I, you are dear friends with one Adrian Wojnarowski. I understand that. I understand the business he's in. But we do this podcast three times a week. So if this is going to happen, I'm going to need the scoop. Okay. I listen. I I'll give it to you and Woj at the same time. <laughs> okay. Is that, is group that group all right. Fair enough. Fair I, enough. Should I join the Knicks front office based on the fact that I've got long, uh, st- I've got a long-standing relationship with Leon Rose and William Wesley? I, I think I would consider it. It's something. Listen, do do you want James Dolan as your boss? You know, that's something to consider. Obviously, um, the salary I would think would be relatively solid. You're going to one of the biggest jokes of a professional franchise in uh, in all of pro sports, but somehow I don't think that would actually bother you all that much. I think you might actually fit in quite well. Uh, you know New York City relatively well, given how often you have to travel there. I'm sure you've already thought about places you could pick, like uh, Upper East Side. You know, is that is that maybe the Village, where Tribeca area? I don't know where you want to you know settle in down there, but I know you've got a few places in mind. But um, as long as you can continue to do the podcast in some respects, that's that's what means the most to me, the listeners. And I understand that in the next couple of weeks, you've got a, you've got a big decision to make. With young children, I would probably lean more toward Upper East Side than than the Village. Um, but also, I could you know go Upper West Side to the Dakota Bill. I could go to the Dakota Building. <laughs> okay. What if I just lived in the Dakota Building like John Lennon? <laughs> Have well, we thought about that yet? I don't. I don't know if we want to keep going down that path, but yeah. Um. So uh, listen, if I were weighing pros and cons, my bosses at CBS are excellent. James Dolan's not, so uh, that's a check in the CBS um, box. Um. But with the Knicks, I wouldn't have to rank basketball teams every morning, <laughs> so that's definitely a check. What if you Knicks. got there though, and they were like, "Listen, there's a lot of duties here, but we um." We love we love the top twenty five and one. So we're gonna need you to do the top twenty nine and one, and um, we're gonna need you to rank basketball teams in the NBA every morning. Um, but actually, you know what? It's gonna be it'll, it won't be thirty. It's gonna be twenty nine. Just uh, the Knicks have to be number one, and um, so we're gonna need you to do that. And then listen, there are so many prospects out there. We don't know what we don't know what the hell we're doing right now. Um, so uh, every week, listen, we love, love, love your mock drafts at CBS Sports. Obviously, the intel you're getting is at the forefront of the industry. So every every week, we're going to need uh, your top ninety nine and one draft prospects. What if the Knicks hired me to rank the thirty NBA teams every morning? <laughs> Like that was my job. I just I got up and I took a I took a train uh, to, to to Penn Station, <laughs> walked inside the garden and just and then ranked teams thirty teams and then called a day. And then every Monday I would have to uh, look at like Zach Lowe's power rankings and then I would I would find a problem with them and write a you know four hundred fifty word column about what, what Zach Lowe just did that's stupid. And that'd be my whole job. <laughs> oh boy oh yeah. what what okay. a di- what a digression that. anyway we agree calipari not going to the knicks uh as we record this podcast by the way it's it's friday morning we're gonna of course preview um a pretty solid weekend of college basketball uh kentucky has media availability later on today he will of course address this uh, i mean we could practically write the script for cal at this point i've got the greatest job in the world and he'll probably have a funny quip or two talk about how he knows those guys maybe uh even make a joke uh, at his friend leon rose's expense but um but yeah, so any oh, real quick though, I have to bring this up. Russ Bengston, who covers the NBA, did you see his tweet yesterday? It was so not. good. 
He goes, a lot of people about to find out Leon Rose is white. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I did see that. And then I saw somebody say Leon Rose is the Tyrell Reed of agents. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's actually pretty good. But uh, there was another player. uh, Who was it? Who was another one that people were describing this way? Oh man, there was a there's a player that for so long people uh I'm it's escaping me. Oh man, there's... oh I know one, I know one from last season. Who? Ty, Ty Jerome. Ty, yes, he is it. Yes, without a doubt, because because and yeah, last season because he really there was you nailed it, you nailed it, um because he was like. A bit player as a freshman, but Virginia was just good enough, and a lot of people didn't watch Virginia. So you hear they got you know this player named Ty Jerome on the roster. You are you are 100 correct. That is the guy. Yes. Um, uh, here's here's one from baseball that works the other way. I had a friend. <laughs> He's a baseball fan, <laughs> and he you might not know this because I don't know how closely you follow follow baseball, but like he was like, dude, I just found out Chris Archer is not white. <laughs> Chris Archer, he's a pitch with the Blazers. Yeah. For, I mean the Blazers, the Blazers, the Blazers. the, um, the Rays. <laughs> he didn't pitch with the Razors. He pitched Incredible. with the Rays um, for a while. I think most recently with the Pirates, maybe. But he was like, "Dude, Chris Archer is not white." Is the most shocking thing in the world to me. And the reverse of that is Leon Rose, Tyrell Reed, and Ty Jerome. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. If you've got other ones, do tweet at us, Gary Parish CBS at Ben Owen on Twitter, because there are every so often, no matter the sport, uh, guys like that uh, crop up. So we'll wait and see what Calipari says later today. We don't think he's going to leave, but it does make for you know um, an interesting discussion, even if it's short lived. But Cal, is, I mean, undeniably, this is the one opening where it seems as. Uh, Practical, maybe, as any other he's ever been connected to, specifically because of the franchise and the people involved there. But I just don't see this happening. Yeah, I, I'm with you. So, like, bottom line, we don't think John Calipari is going to coach the Knicks. But this is, as you acknowledge, a little different because he is super tight with Leon Rose, super tight with with Wes. Uh, to circle back to what I was talking about before, like when Wani Wags was in the Memphis program, Leon was there every day. I mean, it felt like every day. That's obviously an exaggeration. But he was in the Finch Center. It, it felt like every day. Wes was, you know, Wes was just there every day as well. And all I knew, you got to remember, this is before Wes was Worldwide Wes. Yeah. This is when Wes was just Uncle Wes. That's all I knew him as, Wani's uncle. Like, that's really the only point of reference I had. Oh, that's, that's, that's Wani's uncle. And then I swear to God, one day Wes and I are at the Finch Center. And practice is over maybe around, I don't know, 5 o'clock or something. And Wes had left practice a little early. He was Wes really was there all the time. And I go home, and I'm watching Monday Night Football, and there's a Dolphins game on. And they, they scan the sidelines, something, cameras on the sideline, And there's Wes, Uncle Wes, on the sidelines of the Dolphins game. And I'm like, I just what? he was what now now obviously four hours that, ago yeah he, four hours ago he was in Memphis and pre- at the Finch Center with me and now he's on the Dolphin sideline. Keep in mind that makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's just Dewan Wagner's uncle. This is not Worldwide West yet. And so th- then he's back in Memphis like the next day or a couple days later. And I'm like, Wes, dude, I swear, were you at the Dolphins game you know, Monday night? He's like, Yeah. I'm like, I knew that was you. I saw you on the sideline. What are you doing on the Dolphins sideline? And I swear he was like, Oh, my, my nephew plays for him. Like his, his, it was always like, oh, okay, (laughs) I I guess. And then it was like palace in the uh, 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 malice in the palace. And there's Uncle Wes on the court. 
And that was really his, that was really the moment though, when like, generally speaking, like his, who he was became like more known. He was still kind of like, who is that guy? But that was the, the wide exposure moment for him. Right. Another one of those. So Wani's best friend was a guy named Arthur Barclay. They're both from Camden. So he was tight with West too. And I believe it was the weekend of the Mike Tyson Lennox Lewis fight in Memphis. Jay-Z had a concert at, uh, what, what the mid South Coliseum and it was broadcast on TV, like live. I think it was on Showtime. And so I'm sitting at home, like watching a Jay-Z concert on Showtime or whatever. And I look on stage and Arthur Barkley's on stage with Jay-Z. He's like a sophomore on the Memphis basketball team. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, so then it, his nickname was OG and, so we're at like practice the following Monday. I'm like, oh, gee, man, I swear, I think I saw you on stage with Jay-Z, just like I saw Uncle Wes uh, on the Dolphins sideline. I said, I said, was that you? He's like, yeah. I said, what are you doing on stage with Jay-Z? He's like, oh, I've been knowing Jay a long time. I'm like, how have you been knowing Jay a long time? And we, you know, Decades later, you piece all this together. It was all through Wes. So it is true. What makes this different is John is tight with the people who used to be, who are now soon going to be running the Knicks. Um, but ultimately, do they want him to coach their team? I'm not even sure. And would he pull the trigger to do it? I, I doubt it. But I, I could understand why he would think about it. And the reason is because he's 60 years old. Um, the only professional thing he's ever failed at is coaching in the NBA. And by the way, if you ever tell that to him and to his face, he'll argue with you. Mm. Like he does not consider himself an NBA failure. But but certainly most people do. So if you ever wanted to write that perceived wrong, this would be an opportunity to do it. If you ever are the coach that turns around the New York Knicks, oh boy, I mean, you're a legend forever. Yeah. And so there's some, something appealing about that. And, um, and the NBA coaching lifestyle, it's just easier. It's a simpler life. Now it's a harder job because at Kentucky, he can always ensure he's going to have among the best players in the country. Uh, with the Knicks, you obviously can't do that. You have less control over your roster. But in terms of lifestyle, you know, you, you NBA coaches, can, when the season's over, can disappear for two months, and it really doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. College coaches can't disappear for 48 hours without them missing out on a recruit or, or something. Like in the NBA, I remember talking to Brad Stevens about this when he got to the Celtics. He said the, the greatest thing about the NBA is that all I do is coach my team. All I, I, I don't have to recruit. I don't have to text message 16-year-olds. I, I don't have to deal with – and Brad didn't really deal with this at Butler, but certainly Billy Donovan at Florida. You, you know, I don't have to deal with an AAU coach that I don't want to deal with. I remember one time being at Peach Jam when Billy was still the coach at Florida, and this you know guy sort of comes over, and he's, he's just one of those characters you see on the grassroots scene. I don't even know who it was. And he was like, yeah, coach, I, you know, I want to come down – to Gainesville to see a game and and Billy's like he just has to be agreeable oh sure you just let me know and you know we'll make sure you know that the, the tickets are left for you whatever we got to do we're gonna make you know all right coach I'm gonna call you next week yeah call me next week and it's just this guy and the guy walks away and Billy's like I've won two national championships and I still have to take that guy's call on Tuesday yeah like they, like it's it's a it's it's a headache and you you eliminate a lot of that stuff if you go to the NBA so I could argue why he should do it if the opportunity is presented to him, but ultimately I don't think he will. Moving on, Michigan point guard Xavier Simpson crashed a car registered to his athletic director's wife, so that's at least um, 
theoretically problematic. We're going to get into that next. First, though, check this out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. So Michigan point guard Xavier Simpson crashed a car registered to his athletic director's wife. That is why we found out yesterday he was suspended for that one game um, earlier this season. There was no explanation given at the time other than he violated a team rule. We now know that the violation was tied to him crashing into a utility pole at 303 in the morning. It was a single car accident, like I said, a vehicle that is registered to Ward Manuel's wife, but had been reportedly handed down to their son, Evan Manuel, who is a student manager for the basketball program. It was a Toyota RAV4. What you think I rap for? To push your effing RAV4? The police report is weird. Uh, he lied about his name when asked for his name. He just made up a, a different name. He was stumbling outside of the car, according to the police report, but still. Didn't get a DUI, wasn't even given a field sobriety test, Norlander. Mm-hmm. Is this a big deal or just an interesting story? I think it's an interesting story with maybe a little bit of potential to be a big deal. Um, the most important details here, first of all, I mean, we talk about cyberbullying, calling people stupid, and I, I hop on Twitter late uh, late Thursday night just to see you know if, if anything I missed because uh, I had the tweet machine down for a couple hours watching some t- hoops and getting some writing done, and I, I see you calling people nerds. like You just can't help yourself. I'm fed up. I'm can't fed, help yourself. I, I hate it when people take issue with – I hate it when people try to tell me something that I almost certainly already know and try to take issue with a tweet that is factually correct. <laughs> I know, like, I know. like, if I typed something that's wrong, correct me. I deserve that. But what I typed was, you know, I've heard about this, heard about that. But Xavier Simpson crashing a car registered to Ward Manuel's family—that's a new one. Well, you know, the the car was handed down to. I did. I type something wrong. If I didn't type anything wrong, don't tell me something that I almost certainly already know. Well, you know, if you read the story, I did read the story, idiot. Like you think what you think you, you think there's a, I cover college basketball for a living. I clearly saw the story. That's why I'm tweeting about it. Do you think I just saw the headline and was like, oh, Xavier Simpson crashed a car registered to his 80s uh, uh, family. That's probably all I need to know about this. Of course, I read the story. 
What are you telling me to read the story for? Uh, he is at his feistiest on those Thursday nights after the after the trip back home, the radio <laughs> show. <laughs> getting, there's no doubt about it. If you want to get GP going, again, right there on that tweet machine, just just feed him stuff on a Thursday. That's when he's oh, he's most spicy. So. Oh, it, 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 the same thing happens every day with the top 25 and one. Somebody will be like, uh, you know, I have any. It could be any team ranked anywhere, and they'll go. Well, you know they've won three straight games. Dude, I look at this literally every day. Do you think I don't know that that team's won three straight games? Like, do you, re- do you really think you're telling me something I don't know? The number of people on Twitter who think they're telling you something you don't know when they tweet at you is remarkable to me. <laughs> like, well, you, you, you know Michigan State's lost four of its past seven. Dude, I just wrote an entire column about Michigan State losing four of its past seven. Why do you think I don't know that? Why do pe- it drives me crazy? It sounds like a great, uh, great pitch for that New York Dicks job interview. That's for damn sure. Um, listen, the fact that the car, it, you know, for all intents and purposes, is one of the team managers, and Xavier Simpson apparently is very good friends with him, and that's why he was driving it. The the problem is that we didn't have more information, uh, and there wasn't more transparency from Michigan about this whole deal. And what you have here is the potential. I'm not saying this happened, but um, you just—it's not a good look in that. Well, okay, there was no uh, field sobriety test issued. He was he was stumbling. The reasons for the suspension were given, and now local reporters doing their job, doing what they should do, uh, uncovering more details, and it just makes Michigan look like it. Potentially, I'm not saying for sure, but potentially might have been trying to uh, cover up something, them or uh, the local authorities, uh, be it um, university, police department, or uh, the local Ann Arbor uh, officers there. But I don't think it's a huge deal. Uh, He did sit out for a game. He's back. We have the details there. The only thing that would be a problem and I, I don't guess we'll ever really know if this is the case, but if, if indeed there was reason to believe that he was operating a vehicle under any kind of influence and was not given uh, a field sobriety test for whatever reason that the officer or officers decided to do that, then yes, that's obviously a, a significant issue, but we don't have proof that that was indeed the case. So in an absence of getting that, um, I think it's an embarrassing look for Michigan, uh, particularly uh, you know the administration there and not not, you know, just giving us more information as to why it happened. Uh, but that also is the devil's in the details and in, in what we couldn't know and couldn't see in a police report. So that's where I stand on it. Not a, not a massive deal, but if certain details weren't disclosed that actually happened, then it becomes something of a bigger deal. Because you can't have this. If you go down the slippery slope there, you just, you know, for decades you could have athletes um, – doing things in the wrong and being uh, treated with kid gloves by local authorities uh, if you were of a certain stature uh, on, a, on a college campus. This is obviously not a new story. Don't necessarily believe that's the case here, but if it was, then obviously it's a big deal. I will say I got a tweet from a law enforcement official of some sort, and this person said that if he or she, I'm not sure if it was a male or a female, but if he or she turned in a report that said there was a single car accident at 3.03 in the morning and the uh, the driver of the car was outside of the car stumbling around and lying about their their yeah. name, that if, if I didn't conduct a field sobriety test, I would get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so, like, to me, that's the most problematic thing here. It's a possible problem for Michigan from an NCAA perspective, from a compliance perspective. It seems like an undeniable problem for the local police. I mean, honestly, like, 3.03 in the morning, single car accident. 
I will assume every time that there is some sort of um, impairment involved. And the officer's explanation for not conducting a field sobriety test is, well, I didn't smell alcohol. Well, do you know how many different ways you can be impaired without alcohol? Yeah, exactly. Like there's a bunch. And so I'm not suggesting anything other than from a common sense perspective, young person, three o'clock in the morning, single car accident, stumbling around, lying about his name. I'm going to assume that, I guess I am suggesting something. I'm going to assume he was impaired in some level, on some level, and was able to get away away with it because the police didn't handle that the way I assume they would normally handle that. And I recognize I'm connecting some dots here, but I, I think if, if my son tonight got into a single car accident at 3.03 in the morning, when the cops got there, he's walking around away from the car, he lies about his name, and he's stumbling. I would assume the police would conduct a field sobriety test. Yeah. I mean, there are still a few things about this that – should be answered, and I don't know if we will ever get them. Xavier Simpson, of course, uh, oh, by the way, is a top 10 point guard in college basketball, and I think now second in assists per game, and Michigan finds itself, you know, floating near the 9-10 line overall. Um, so this also gets buttressed up against the fact that uh, the Wolverines are, you know, kind of spiraling, had the great start, now 13-9, and 4-7, and they host Michigan State in uh, a fairly urgent game on Saturday. Uh, a loss there, and that not only do they remain on the bubble, they might be one of the last two or three teams projected into the field as of now there. So Simpson means so much to them because Isaiah Livers has been out and potentially he could be coming back as early as this weekend or the next couple of games here. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's where sometimes teams can get into trouble with this when it comes to uh, what's the proper suspension here. He, well, he did sit for one game, but he is back in, uh, in the lineup now. And I don't know if this story just ends here or if we find out more in the next day, week, or month. Who knows? Well, I've got you mentioned my Twitter feed. I've got really nonstop since the moment I tweeted what I tweeted last night. Michigan fans and other people arguing back and forth about a did he get preferential treatment from law enforcement officials? And and I, I should if I didn't make it clear earlier, make it clear now. I I don't know, but it does seem like it. Uh, I, I think if most college kids are in a single car accident at three o three in the morning, stumbling around and then lying about their name, they're going to be um, subject to a field sobriety test. The fact that he wasn't, um, it, it appears like preferential treatment to me. And by the way, the way they figured out he was Xavier Simpson is because they recognized him. That's what the police report says as the point guard for the Michigan basketball team. So they knew who they were dealing with, not just a young person or a college student, but the point guard for the Michigan basketball team. So I, I've got people arguing about that. And then also arguing about whether this is an NCAA issue. And I'll be honest, like, I'm not sure because like these rules are all so stupid and gray that it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's hard to say on one hand, you could argue it's just a guy borrowing his friend's car. What is the big deal? On the other hand, uh, if a friend can't loan an Ohio state football player money, I'm not sure how the Michigan athletic director's son can loan a Michigan basketball player a car. And I, I, I know that they're friends, or at least I've read that they're friends. But they, they probably don't have a pre-existing relationship. They're probably friends because um, they are part of the same basketball program. And the reason they're part of the same basketball program is because one of them was recruited to play basketball there. And the other one is the athletic director's son. So 
What do you make of all that? Do you think it's an NCAA issue or could be an NCAA issue? Because I, I could argue it based on the letter of the law. I guess I could argue it either way. I don't think so uh, because then you're getting into way uh, too much nuance there. You know, the fact that they be, the nature of how they became friends, I, I, I think, is immaterial there. And he's not, as far as we know, he's not, you know, he's not using the car, again, as far as we know, uh, for his own personal means. He might have been driving it. That might have been the only time he's ever driven it. Or it's not, the NCAA is not going to consider an issue if Xavier Simpson drives a car with the team manager or not in it, if he's getting home from practice and going from one part of campus to another there. So, well, like I, I, you say that, but I'm not sure. It might like, maybe it, like a set. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a huge, I don't think it would be a huge like issue. Maybe they would do a set. They would self report a secondary violation, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't find it to be something. Uh, the, the, the fact that Xavier Simpson's friends with a team manager and uh, that manager has a car registered to his parents, obviously, who Ward Manuel, the athletic director, and then Xavier Simpson happens to be driving it. I, I, the NCAA would require way more details to really assess any kind of case there. I don't think that this would go that far. Well, this is why all these rules are dumb. But, like, what if Xavier Simpson was driving a booster's car that he became friends with after he enrolled at Michigan? If it was explicitly a booster's car, potentially. I know. I Listen, yes, but do we – what if he drove the booster's car once from – the Chrysler Center back to his off-campus apartment. He drove it once, and it was self-reported. It would be like a secondary violation. It would be nothing. So, oh, yeah. If I were Michigan, I would report it as a secondary violation and then just hope to be done with it. Like, But I, I'm just saying it's not clear-cut that it wouldn't be a violation. Uh, because mm-hmm. it, it could, by definition, be an, an an extra benefit. Like you, 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 you know this person based on your athletic ability. And now you're using their car. Maybe it was one time. Maybe it was just a car he was driving uh, often. I don't know. I, I, I would assume that it was, it was like when I was in college and I borrowed somebody's car or somebody borrowed my car. I would assume that that's what happened here. And I'm not, I don't think Michigan should be in trouble, but it, it, based on the rules and the way that they are often applied, it, it at least uh, in theory uh, could be a very small uh, NCAA uh, issue. I will say it, it sort of reminded me. I knew a coach, still know him, who whose son was a walk-on for his basketball program. So the coach, uh, you know, um, the the coach is running a successful program and re- recruiting at a high level. And he had a fi- he enrolled a you know got a commitment from a five-star prospect, and the five-star prospect enrolled and. When I asked the coach, so who, who does, uh, who is he roommates with? The five-star prospect was roommates with the coach's son. And the reason, and the coach like sort of acknowledges, he's like, because I can get my son the best apartment in, you know, mm-hmm. in, 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 in town. I can put whatever I want in that apartment because it's my son's apartment. And then my best player benefits from it because he lives in the nicest apartment in a college town. So coaches, these types of loopholes, if you will, have been taken advantage of before. I, I'm not pretending that or assuming that that's what this was. It could be as simple as it, as it appears to be, but you know, there are ways around these rules when you start dealing with athletic departments, children who happen to also be students. And that's why this sort of, you know, became the big headline that it was. If it was just Xavier Simpson involved in a one car accident, um, no injuries, it wouldn't be the biggest thing in the world, but the fact that he was driving a car 
registered to the family of the athletic director makes it, you know, it's the reason we're talking about it. Yep. And Michigan, again, does play Michigan State in a relatively big game this weekend. We got some interesting games this weekend. GP, you want to get to the final four and one? Pick some uh, – Pick some, I, maybe some winners. We'll see how this goes. You're you're making up ground on me, by the way. I got the records if you want to hear them. I do. I don't know that I want to hear them, but I would like to update my records. And I'm so far behind that I just stopped caring and stopped uh, looking and stopped keeping track. So, you, sure, I'll trust your numbers. What are the updated numbers? I don't know if you ever uh, really cared, but, yeah, sure. 33-31-1 um, and one for me. Did not have a good week last week. And then you made up a little bit of ground. You went 3-2. and two, I went 1-4. and four. So you're at 28-36-1. So just five games behind. If I'm 0 for 5, you're 5 for 0, and we disagree on all of them, we'll be, we'll be even Steven. But uh, but we'll have to wait and see. What do you got first? Okay, first game, Saturday, noon Eastern, number 18, LSU at number 11, Auburn, inside Jared Harper Arena. You can watch it on ESPN. Kim Palm projects it, Auburn minus four. LSU at Auburn, minus four, Battle of the Tigers here. Um, okay, so as we talk about this, Give a heads up. So you got the uh, on at 1230 on Saturday, you've got the CBS Sports Selection Show in season. This is the fourth season they've done it. And it will be interesting to see if both these teams are, in fact, in the top 16 there. Auburn sits at 20-2, and two, is 29th in Ken Palm behind those Wolverines we just spent 15 minutes talking about, 13-9 and nine overall. And LSU, meantime, is even further down, 17-5 and five and 36 in Ken Palm. Um, with an 8-1 record coming off a loss to Vanderbilt. I don't know. To me, LSU is one of the trickiest ones. I don't know if it's going to be in that top 16 or not uh, when you get that uh, that you know one through four seed reveal uh, on Saturday on CBS. Auburn will be there, but I'd be I'd be interested to see where they're going to get placed because they again they don't have a great great resume, um, but they got a good record here. They're 17th in the net. Fourth in KPI, sixth in strength of record. Those are more the resume-based metrics. And then predictives, Sagarin's good, 13, but BPI, 20, and Ken Palm is, is the lowest on him at 29 there. Uh, I do think Auburn will win this game. I do think Auburn will cover. Uh, I've been impressed with the way Auburn's been able to win as of late. Bumped him up in the power rankings this week. Only losses on the road at Bama, at Florida, and back-to-back -back games there. They were non-competitive in those, so I think that does give him a ding. But I will take Bruce Pearl's team to win after LSU is coming off losing at Vandy. Vandy, by the way, because of that, snapped a 28-game SEC losing streak, which is the longest in league history. I'm taking my Auburn Tigers. Okay, so we agree. I had to, I had to dedicate the Politex column this past Monday to uh, the one voter who is not ranking Auburn uh, based on uh, uh, computer numbers when Auburn is, is clearly deserves based on results of games. Uh, to be on every top 25 ballot. They're 20-2 and two on a five-game winning streak. And I know you're accurate. They don't have an incredible resume. But they are 3-2 and two in Quadrant 1 opportunities, 9-2 and two in Quadrant 1 slash Quadrant 2 opportunities. They have zero losses outside of the first quadrant. Yeah, no, they're, think, yeah, it's good. It's it's good. So I keep going. But you, you're not yeah. incorrect about that. Um, and the road losses were by big margins. I'm, I'm just curious if Auburn is going to find itself on the three or the four line. I... I don't think that it has any chance of getting on the two, which might frustrate Tigers fans, but I just don't think the top of it is is beefy enough considering the other teams that are going to be vying for that. Sure. Um, only 10 teams, by the way, have zero losses outside of the first quadrant. This is one of my other complaints with, with AP voters, and often the 
the selection committee, they don't pay attention to the loss column as much as they pay attention to the win column. They, they focus on your, your lack of great signature wins, but they don't pay much attention to the fact that in a season, especially this season, where teams are losing bad games all the time, Auburn just hasn't. Only 10 teams in the country have zero losses outside of the first quadrant. Auburn is one of them. And so I'm going to... I'm going to take Auburn. I'm going to lay the four points inside Jared Harper Arena. Uh, if you can't win at Vanderbilt on a Wednesday night, you can't win at Auburn on Saturday. I think that's a rule. Uh, you would think, but then again, you also said it was uh, – what was it? It was disrespectful to to give Brad Underwood five points last week, and lo and behold, well, that was not disrespectful. That wound up happening. You're like 0, 0 for 5 this season. So if you've got that also in your in your holster for this segment here, uh, well, the, the general public listening might want to take that and run with it. All right, what's the next game? I'm going to I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna double down on it. It is disrespectful oh, to only make Auburn a four-point favorite oh, no. inside Jared Harper Arena against a team coming off a loss to Vanderbilt. I have Auburn. You just doomed me. I should I should take LSU out of principle for this, but I won't. It's it's disrespectful to make Bruce Pearl's Tigers only a four point favorite over a team coming off a loss to Vanderbilt. That's ahead when of the, the game standings. will be played inside Jared Harper Arena. Okay. Auburn minus four. It's my twenty five star lock of the century. Oh boy. Okay. Saturday, 2.30 Eastern, number 12, Seton Hall, at number 10, Villanova, inside Wells Fargo Center. You can watch it on Fox. Ken Palm projects it, Villanova, minus two. Trivia time! Okay, come on! You might have seen this come across your feed, so you might have the answer. When do you think the last time Seton Hall defeating Villanova at Villanova happened. How many years has it been? It's been, it's probably been, I think, feel like it's been. How about I give you, how about this? How about, a, how about, a, how about a twist? How about a multiple choice trivia time? And then you, uh, one of these answers will be correct. And you tell me which answer it is. Okay. Okay. I'm going to get, I'm going to give you four answers and I'm going to, I'm going to make them in. Okay. I got it here. To make it easy, I'm going to go lowest to highest, and they are in the same increments, okay? They are in increments of six. The last time Seton Hall won at Villanova was A, six years ago. Wait a second. got to start this over. Hold on. I can't do it like that. That's not going to work there. Hold on there, buddy. This is, this is precisely why the Knicks aren't going to try to hire you. <laughs> that is totally fine by me. All right. Hold on. I, I, got the, I, got, I got it. I got it. Hold on. I got it right here. The net. I got it right here. I'm just going to do random numbers here. Okay? All right. Is the answer seven years ago, 2013, 13 years ago, 2007, 21 years ago, 1999, or 26 years ago, 1994? It's 1999. It is not 1999. Your answer is 1994 was the last time Seton Hall won a road game against Villanova. An incredible streak. And can they can they snap it here with Miles Powell and Co.? They cannot. Villanova is not only going to win, it's going to win by seven points. Give me Nova 77-70 on Saturday afternoon. Seton Hall's got a two-game lead in the Big East standings right now, coming off a win over Georgetown. Miles Powell got 35, 34 in that game. So he's now averaging 22 points, 4.9 rebounds, 2.4 assists per game. He's been awesome, but I'm with you. I, I think 
Villanova minus two. I'll just. Is there anybody in the country you would take to beat Villanova inside Wells Fargo Center this weekend? Anybody? Yes. What? Really? What? What kind of question is that? Is there anybody in the country? Yeah. I would. Okay, who? Who would you think could beat Villanova inside Wells Fargo this this weekend? Um, I give you five thousand dollars. I say you got to put it on this team to win at Villanova this weekend. Who would it be? Gonzaga. I would take Gonzaga with with a hampered Killian Tilly. Killian Tilly. Yes, I would take Gonzaga. They're they're the number one offense in college basketball. I like their roster better than I like Villanova's. Um, I like Gonzaga. I. I I mean, I want to say Kansas, but they lost by one already at Villanova this season. But if a rematch, I'm I I'd be I'd be inclined to take Kansas. I, you pose that Villanova is the 23rd team at Ken Palm. They they would probably be favored against all but three or four teams. I bet you if Kansas, Gonzaga, Baylor, maybe maybe Duke. Although I would not take Duke. Uh, those four would probably be favored at Villanova this weekend. There's probably some gambling smartass out there that knows the exact answer to that, but that would be my guess. Well, that, that, that's my larger point is that I just, I don't, I wouldn't take, I, I like Seton Hall, but I wouldn't take anybody against Villanova this weekend. So when the number that we're using is only two, I'll just take Villanova minus the points. Now you take Seton Hall against Villanova, put them inside Jared Harper arena. Now we're having a different conversation. What about Pinnacle Bank arena? Oh, boy. I, I, whoever is technically the visitor, I would make okay. the favorite. Yeah, just just so you know, just so we're clear here, Nebraska has now lost three straight games at Pinnacle Bank Arena and has lost uh, six, I believe, overall at home this season. So Pinnacle Bank. I don't know if you saw this. Um, there's a promo. They're doing a new 30 for 30 on how difficult it used to be to win at Pinnacle Bank as opposed to you know, what's happened now. That's coming after the Michael Vick one then? Yes. It's gotcha. sort of okay. – it's sort of um, – a, a similar theme like uh this thing was amazing and then it wasn't and now it's trying to get back to being a you know just a normal oh, a, productive that's, that's, citizen that's in the united states pi- that's an America. incredible pitch i got I, yeah i mean i gotta watch this okay cool yeah like uh, michael vick was a uh a football icon who then became a convicted felon and is now trying to live a productive life after uh, paying his debt to society similarly Pinnacle Bank Arena used to be the most feared um, road environment in college basketball. Now going through tough times, not unlike Michael Vick once did, mm. and it will someday uh, bounce back and be the subject of a 30 for 30, maybe. Um, so we're both Villanova minus two? We are. Well, no, nah, this is boring. That's good. Next Saturday, game. 6 p.m. Eastern, number seven Duke at North Carolina. You can watch it on ESPN. Kim Pom projects it. Duke minus 12. You see these? You see these uniforms? Yes. They're, they're just. What are they? What are what we are doing? doing? No, seriously. I need to know how the people that work at Nike and are in the uniform division can possibly sit down and have a meeting last summer in September, January, whenever the hell it happens, and and think, you know, for the uh, for the hundred year history of this rivalry, that we are going to just completely obliterate two of the best uniforms in all of college sports like the Carolina uniforms particularly from those years in the 90s but generally speaking even with the tweaks Carolina I think might have a case to have the best uniform in college basketball 
And then Duke, even like it's, um, I don't know if you remember, they've worn them a couple times, those new Brotherhood ones that kind of have like a gothic flair to them. I think those are great, but even just a traditional, uh, for this purpose, they'd be the road team. So like that that deep blue, Duke across the chest, you know, the D on the shorts, uh, those are great unis. What are we doing? Why, why must we insist on having these practice jersey looking awful rags like they're practically pennies with the logos on them they just look terrible I, I don't get it you're this is the i tweeted this is the least compelling duke game in decades okay the last time that it was not that compelling is probably actually a memorable game when capel hit the half court shot to uh, i think tie it send to ot and then duke won but that the duke didn't make the tournament that year that was 95 carolina was really good um maybe the game will be good but this just kind of the game's a little bit of a joke this year as is and this just makes it it makes it more of a joke. I, the, the uniforms look hideous. When I was picking out four games um, for us to talk about in this segment, I initially didn't have Duke, North Carolina. And then I was like, it's Duke, North Carolina. I should probably include it. But I, I, like if you told me, hey, GP, you're not going to be able to watch that game tomorrow night. I'd be like, OK, cool. Like it does. It, it does not matter. I, I think Duke. Yeah, I think like Duke's going to pound them. They're not good. I like think. I was talking to a coach last night. And he coaches outside of the traditional power structure. He's not in one of the power leagues. And he said this. He said, North Carolina wouldn't win my league this season. I believe and I, that, yeah. And I was like, you know, you, I was like, yeah, I think I think you're right. So let me play a game with you. Okay, let's do it. See how far we have to go into leagues before we get to a league you think North Carolina would win this season. Oh, boy. All right. The Big, the, the big Ten, No. Just eliminate all of those. Get out. We already okay. know. That's all. These are all no's. Go, go. Big 10, Big 12, Big East, Pac-12, ACC, SEC are all no's. Could North Carolina win the American? No. West Coast Conference? No. Atlantic 10? No. Mountain West? No. Missouri Valley? No. Northern Iowa's better. Shouts to Northern Iowa and this week's power rankings. Three the losses. UNI Panthers. That's right. Could they win the Mid-American Conference? No. You take an Akron over North Carolina? I am. Okay. I think I think okay. I, I think I am taking Akron over uh North Carolina Bowling Green quality team this year. Don't sleep on the Chippewas at Central Michigan. Uh, but Akron is the best team, so my answer is no. Could North Carolina win Conference USA? It's got a shot. <laughs> it have a shot. It's got a shot. <laughs> North Texas, nine and two in the league. Louisiana Tech, sixty-seven. Where's Carolina right now in Ken Palm? Like around a hundred. All right, so Louisiana Tech and North Texas outrate Carolina right now in adjusted efficiency margin, and Western Kentucky's right there with them. See you. Let me figure figure out exactly where North Carolina is. It is, um, yeah, ninety-eight. Yeah, it ranks third among uh, teams in CUSA if you put it in CUSA. I think they're probably finishing third in the conference. They'd probably be a three seed in the CUSA tournament. So then we get to the Sun Belt, right? Let me let me call this back up here. Okay, now we are in uh, we're in the Sun Belt. Could North Carolina win the Sun Belt? I think they could. I'm, th- I'm saying yeah. That's where we get to. Best I mean, team in the 14th to, ranked conference in college basketball. They'd run into a problem at Little Rock. Little, Little Rock, big stones, no doubt about it. But I think they might have a shot. They'd run into a problem at Little Rock, but I think ultimately, when we got the championship week, Roy Williams would be holding the Sun Belt Conference Tournament trophy. Okay. 
It's a hell of a vision. I, I, I don't think Roy I Williams wants anything to do with holding a Sunbelt Conference Tournament trophy. Imagine if Roy Williams had to hold a Sunbelt Conference Tournament trophy. <laughs> what if Cole Anthony was the Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year? We're going into some weird alternate dimensions on this podcast, my man. So let the record show. We do not think, neither of us, think that North Carolina, did you make a pick, North Carolina? Uh, I know, but my pick is Carolina to cover. It's 12. You'll take I'm, I'm going to take them to cover. I saw Duke play horrendously at, at BC. It was like 1 of 14 from 3, and I will take Carolina at home to cover the 12 and Duke to win. You don't think North Carolina is going to upset them, do you? I don't think they're. I don't think that's going to happen. No. Okay, so I'm Duke minus twelve. Neither of us think North Carolina wins the game, but we both we both think that North Carolina could win the Sun Belt. Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern, number two Gonzaga at St. Mary's inside University Credit Union Pavilion. What is that? Uh, this is why I was stunned at Auburn Arena because I don't get it. I just don't get it. But. Um, Listen, great, 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 great game here. Gonzaga-St. Mary's, this is the game. Gonzaga what is St. University Credit Union Pavilion? What happened to M McKeon Pavilion? I, I don't know. I can't I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I, 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 I just can't tell you. Um, keep an eye for Killian Tilly to play in this one. I suspect that he will. Um, he did not play in Gonzaga's Thursday night B-Town of Loyola Marymount. Gonzaga 24-1, 10-0 in the conference. It will be obviously a one seed uh, in the bracket reveal on Saturday, and it needs to win this kind of game to continue its cause to a one seed. Um, Two-point margin for the Zags here, but I am going to... You know what? I understand this is hypocritical. Um, I said I would take Gonzaga to beat Villanova at Villanova. St. Mary's ranks worse than Villanova, but for these purposes and the familiarity of the coaching staff, I am going to take St. Mary's straight up to win this game. Uh, really boosted since double tournament credentials. In the process, Gonzaga to take a second loss. That's my pick. I Listen, if they were playing this inside McKeon Pavilion, then maybe, maybe, but Gonzaga's not going to lose inside something called University Credit Union Pavilion. Is it disrespectful? It's disrespectful okay. to, to make it only Gonzaga minus two right. inside University Credit Union Pavilion. All right. Okay. The Zags have won 16 straight. They've been 12, yeah, I know. 12 by double digits. The average margin of victory in the WCC is 23.0 points per game. Yeah. No, okay. All right. So, so we split there. All right. So right now, uh, we are uh, two and two. We have two agreements and two disagreements, and we're gonna get to my and one here. I'm not gonna make you pick the Friday games because I know how you feel about them. But randomly, and this is annoying as hell. Maryland plays at Illinois at eight o'clock on Fox Sports One on Friday night. The Big Ten is shoehorning in one or two games on Fridays during the season. Friday is supposed to be the one night where you don't have to worry about this stuff. That's a very good game. Those teams are tied atop the Big Ten standings, both eight and three. Maryland and uh, Maryland will for sure be in the uh, bracket reveal. Illinois, they'll have a contingency bracket. I think if Illinois wins this game, you'll see Illinois on the four line when we get to that reveal on Saturday. There's one other good game, Davidson at VCU, which that's not a good game, but VCU, uh, it basically is losing slack at this point. Dayton, Rhode Island, VCU, VCU slipping a little bit. That's a Friday night game to keep an eye on. As for Saturday, we mentioned Michigan State at Michigan. Uh, Purdue plays at Indiana. That's an urgent game for the Hoosiers and Archie Miller. I think West Virginia could be in danger of slipping up against Oklahoma. That's a 2 o'clock tip on Saturday. Keep an eye on that one as well. Um, and Kentucky at Tennessee. That's a CBS 1 o'clock game. I'll be in studio for C CBS Sports HQ 
previewing that, halftime, post-game, all that good stuff. And I believe I'll be talking to the chairman of the selection committee after the bracket reveal happens on CBS Sports HQ. So do be sure to keep an eye on that. Kansas plays at TCU on Saturday at noon. That's an early tip. You might want to keep an eye on that as well. Uh, we could have an issue, not an issue, we could have a scenario here where you've got some highly ranked teams on the road taking some L's left and right. If you're curious about what Baylor's doing, it's home against Oklahoma State. It's going to win that game easily and will remain at number one in the AP Top 25 on Monday when the polls refresh. My last game, however, is going to be none other than Butler at Marquette, which is a Sunday tip at noon on Fox Sports Run. Right after that, you'll have Ohio State at Wisconsin on CBS. GP will be previewing that on HQ. But the game is Butler at Marquette. Um, Marquette is playing very well. I have Marcus Howard as the top three national player of the year right now. Kempom has this as a Marquette two-point spread at home against the Butler team, which just got a huge buzzer-beating win Wednesday night thanks to Kamar Baldwin at the buzzer. Hinkle had a little bit of a tinkle. I don't know if you saw that. There was water leaking. Everyone tweeted us about two-year-old Tony Hinkle when that happened. I am going to take... Marquette to cover the two here, get to 19. Uh, no, but yeah, we'll get to 17 and six and seven and four in the league. Give me the fighting Marcus Howards to continue their rise up the rankings. I agree. I will also go Marquette um, uh, minus two. And you you touched on something that I don't feel like has gotten enough attention around the country, and that's not to your Tony Hinkle leaking leaking the other night, but it is. Mar Marcus Howard is a real National Player of the Year candidate. He's obviously been leading the nation in scoring, putting up numbers. The reason, or at least among the reasons, I don't want to speak for you, but among the reasons I didn't think he should be preseason National Player of the Year is because I didn't think Marquette would be good enough. I didn't think his team would be good enough for him to be a real National Player of the Year candidate. Right now, Marquette's good enough. Top 30 at Ken Palm. I've got him in the top 25 and one. And if he continues to put these kind of numbers and most importantly, his team continues to be nationally relevant and obviously winning against Butler this weekend would 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 be a step in the right direction. I could absolutely see Marcus Howard coming from the back of the pack to win national player of the year. Yeah, we'll wrap this. I got to actually go do a CBS Sports HQ hit here, but he is averaging 27.9 points uh, in college basketball. That's the most. Uh, Javon Jackson at UTSA is right behind him. Uh, in addition to 3.2 boards, 3.1 assists and a steal per game, and he ranks fourth in Ken Palm's current player of the year algorithm. But if he continues on this pace and Marquette can manage to get to that 4-5 seed level at worst, he is going to have a, a really, really strong case with some other ones, but he is, he is certainly right there and putting up one of the all-time great college basketball careers. But we'll get to that later in the month as, uh, as Marquette continues to drift toward what's sure to be uh, a lock situation in the NCAA tournament. So that's the final four and one. Remember, there are six games on CBS Sports Network on Saturday. One of them is USF at Memphis. I'll be on the sideline for that. The two biggest ones, a pair of top ten teams in action. Two o'clock Eastern, St. Louis at number six, Dayton, eight o'clock Eastern, number four, San Diego State at Air Force. My Aztecs trying to move to 24 and 0. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done it already, uh, rate it favorably. Five stars. Leave a nice comment. And either way, we will talk to you again on Sunday. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 